1: All right everybody, well welcome to uh, the Unseminary uh, webinar. I'm so glad that you've decided to uh, log in to be a part of today's conversation. Today we're talking about recording, producing, and releasing. I wish there was an R word for producing, because then it would feel really nice, all three uh, (laughs) R words together. Um, Thanks so much for for tuning in. Uh, Today we've got a couple friends uh, of mine here uh, in Clint Taylor. And our friend, uh, and really the worship leader here at our church, Jason Yost, um, who we're super excited to have. And we're talking through the release of our um, worship song, worship tune called More. Um, We're going to talk through kind of what we've learned um, and hopefully give some helpful tips. Just a couple uh, guidelines for you. On the side, you'll see a chat box. and uh, you'll be able to, which should be enabled now, you should be able to um, you know, an- answer or ask your questions in there. Um, we'll try to get around to all of them as we go through in the afternoon. Um, you know, we'll try to get to most of them. If we don't, uh, we can take that, those offline and you know, answer in the comments on the blog post, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, please feel free to... Uh, you know ask your questions in there Um, but why don't we get started with just you guys explaining uh, introducing yourselves giving us a little bit of your background Jason why don't you go first
2: sure hey guys how you doing good to hang out and connect with you today my name is Jason Yost and I have been uh, a native New Jersey guy for a year in August (laughs) uh, which I'm super excited about from the DC area worked with National Community Church uh, right in the district multi-site church there. Uh, helped out with the music program as well. And just thrilled about what God's doing here at Liquid uh, in New Jersey. Similar similar space uh, with Manhattan, just on the outskirts of Manhattan, just the area. And so love what God's doing just through the worship here and the church at large. Uh, lots of locations uh, all over New Jersey. And just stoked just to chat more and talk about what God's doing and how the music fits into that portion
3: of
1: the church. Cool. Clint, why don't you uh, introduce yourself?
3: Yeah, uh, my name is Clint Taylor. Uh, I get the awesome privilege of uh, being one of the worship leaders here at Liquid Church. Um, A little bit of my background, uh, I'm a little bit younger. I've only worked at one other church before. Uh, I went to school for music. I uh, studied uh, guitar performance, and I have a four-year degree with uh, a Bachelor of Arts from McNally Smith College of Music in Minnesota. Uh, I've been working at Liquid for about uh, eight months, and uh, I'm loving it. So uh, super exciting things coming down the pike, super exciting things happening, so yeah.
1: Nice. Well, why don't we start, you know, with you, Clint. What would you say was the kind of the spark behind this whole process? Why is it that we got into producing and releasing our own music here at Liquid?
3: Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So um, it kind of started with, uh, we started these worship nights in the fall, um, just kind of an hour and a half of worship, um, which kind of was new to Liquid, I believe. Um, it was So the whole concept was kind of to create more of what happens on Sunday mornings. Um, but just kind of uh, uh, expanding that. So uh, the worship nights were awesome, a big hit. um, And uh, there was kind of this overall theme that uh, we want more from God, more of God rather than more from God, um, kind of, and they were called more. So me and Jason uh, were kind of like, well, you know, it would be awesome if we wrote a song called more, um, kind of, you know, trying to birth that idea from the community, and uh, we did, we wrote a song, and it was was a big hit, you know, we did it at the More Nights, and it was Mm -hmm. uh, uh, super exciting, and we were kind of like, kind of in agreement that maybe we should try to produce this song as an original song from our church, you know, kind of being a voice of our church, Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, that really sparked the process, and then, you know, the ball just kept rolling, and then we produced the song, yeah.
1: Nice. All right. Um, Jason, why don't you give us a sense, kind of the overview of the process. So let's try to start at like 30,000 foot view. Let's say there's a church leader out there who's like, I got this song that we might want to record. What would you say are kind of the big steps, and then we'll try to drill into each one of them. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll re- write down what you're saying, and then we'll try to drill into each one of them.
0: Yeah,
2: for sure. Um, I think uh, first, first off, just spiritually, uh, just the motivation behind it uh, is a big idea. Uh, I think that as just asked, like, what is the purpose for us recording this song? Why do we want to do that? You know, and for us, it's just a huge – it was very important to us that this song uh, came out of our community and wasn't just one of us writing a song so that we could just throw it on iTunes and say, Mm -hmm. hey, we have a song out there. It's really cool. But we just wanted to have a little bit more meat and meaning behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would have that in the pocket as well because, you know, for For me personally, and what we 've been sharing here uh, with liquid music is that you know we don 't want to just uh, we don't want to just be doers, but we want to be teachers as well mm. so as we 're singing these songs we 're teaching them to our congregation we 're teaching them what they mean, why we 're singing, why we even do worship, mm-hmm. so that is kind of from the foundation of where we came from, you know, and right. that just kind of helped us so we were saying, "Hey, this song is coming out of our community god 's doing something amazing." Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, and how can we how can we be a good steward of this? Uh, and then after that point, if it goes to the larger church, like the church as a nation, then that's awesome, mm-hmm. uh, and that's really cool. That's an extra blessing. But you know, our main our main focus is how can we teach and provide an avenue of worship for our people in our congregation.
1: Right, right, right cool.
2: so we started. We totally started from there, you know. And then and then logistically, of course, you need a song. <laughs> <laughs> You need a song uh, that's catchy. Um, I would definitely play it often um, and test it often uh, at, at, to different people or different you know opportunities within. If you have worship nights or if you have you know opportunities of worship, you know how it feels. Is it sticking? Can people sing it? One of the things which totally put a spark in me is the first time that we played more mm-hmm. at our with our congregation by. 3 quarters of the song through by the last chorus they were singing it by themselves and we backed off the mics right and so that's when i was like good grief we you know we definitely need to be a good steward of this cuz it's mm-hmm. it's something simple it's singable and people are really catching on to it mhm um so that's a, a a big a big a big one
1: yeah very cool and so, so you see go from there so you've tested the song you're like okay you, you know you've played it in a couple different groups you've you know honed it down how much you know, how much change was there from, um, you know, the original, like, uh, Clint and you kind of scratching it down on the back of a napkin somewhere to what actually ended up getting recorded? How much evolved, How much did the song evolve through that process?
2: Yeah, yeah. and that's different with everything. Yep. Uh, you know, with every song. Mm-hmm. But initially, um, we were collaborating mm-hmm. uh, with one of our engineers, and so we came when we decided that we wanted to produce it him record it, we came kind of with an open slate mm-hmm. of just saying, hey, maybe this isn't done. What should we do? Uh, and so we actually put a lot of elbow grease, uh, a lot of ironing, sharpened ironing, going back and forth with different ideas, changing the song up a bit. Um, and then, you know, what's funny, I, you know, I'm getting a little ahead of the whole process, but then towards the end, we scrapped all of it and we went back to the original <laughs> demo that Clint made. <laughs> You know, we just said, you know, we want to keep the singability, the simplicity of it. That's what's most important to us. And so all of the days and hours of work, you know, all the extra stuff, at the last minute, we scrapped it all. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah.
3: And I think that's a good, uh, um, like you mentioned the demo. I think that's also a great, you know, kind of with Richard's question, like, what's, like, ground zero? You know, so Jason's talking about you kind of pick the song, you know? Mm-hmm. You, you have a song written. It's It's an original song in your community, um, and you go, OK, I want to do the next step. So the next step for us, um, and for a lot of people, is they start a process called pre-production, mm-hmm. uh, meaning you know everything you're going to do before you actually get into the studio, get into the, um, the places where you're going to record your final tracks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so literally, what you kind of want to do is create kind of a fake version of the song, in a sense. So what you're doing is you're recording, um, uh, they call them scratch takes. Um, like scratch vocals, scratch guitar, scratch drums. So what I did was um, I programmed the synths just with some cheesy midi, uh, programmed mm-hmm. drums, you know, just uh, you know, not a real drummer. Um, you know, I had a spare bass and, you know, my guitar. So you kind of want to, uh, in a sense, record and kind of try to arrange the best you can. Um, also knowing it's easier because you know that everything you could change, but you kind of want to put some into place. So if I wanted to play this song live, if I wanted to give this to my band and say, here's a demo I made, kind of listen to those parts. Um, mm-hmm. So that was like what's one of the first steps. Because then, And then we kind of have that completed, you know, like we record, recorded my vocals, then we're like, okay, you know. Because originally I was repeating the same verse, you know, mm-hmm. and we listened to it, you know. Because um, it's different when you're playing it with an acoustic guitar with a band. You're like, oh, that rocks. It's, you know, so awesome. When you listen to a recording, you're like, yeah, I definitely need a verse, too. Or right. you know, or like, oh, you know, the bridge is too many times. Like we're doing the bridge too many times, um, mm-hmm. which is a great starting point um, for the next step, which is to finalize some of those. Things. Uh,
1: so, what did you use to record? What is that step there? You know, so you're actually recording it. What What do you use? Yeah.
3: Doing? Um, so uh, what I use is I use Pro, Pro Tools. Yes. Okay. Um, I use Pro Tools 11. Um, there's a lot of different programs people can make demos on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I use Pro Tools because I learned about it in college. I was able yep. to take some courses on it, um, so it kind of gave me a, a few steps ahead. So, And it is kind of the industry standard for the next step, so um, when we hired an engineer, it was really easy for us to send files back and forth. We would just send right. sessions. Um, so yeah, that's what I use. Also, some people can use Logic, Ableton.
1: What about GarageBand?
3: Yeah, totally. Um, totally. <laughs> I mean, like... Uh, So GarageBand, it does have some limitations, but um, honestly for GarageBand, you can record guitar, vocals, you know, add like a loop, um, and totally, I think it would be valid for a demo. Especially say, here's a song idea, and I want to build on this. I think it's totally legitimate.
1: Yeah, Um, it's a starting point, right? Yeah, it's a starting point idea. It's quick, it's easy. Um, Yeah, okay. Uh, Just before we leave that, uh, there's a question from Joey around, you know, songwriting team. How how did you guys, you know, what does that look like? you know, is it is it kind of like a a big group of people? Was it small? Um, you know, was it really just one person and then somebody else giving you know a contribution? How, how does that work? Obviously, it's going to differ from song to song, but for this particular track, um, how did that work?
3: Yeah,
2: yeah. For this uh, for this particular track, it was it was more of a immediate inspiration. Yep. Uh, and so Clint was the sole writer on it, and then that's when he you know, brought it to me and was just like, hey, what do you think of this? And I knew we had something with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we were, you know, thinking about that. what Clint just said. We were thinking about, hey, should we do a second verse or should we keep this verse, that kind of deal? Right. So this one was, uh, you know, was Clint solely writing and then us, you know, going back and forth with different ideas. Um, it would it you know, it won't necessarily be like that with every song. And then this fall, um as you know, God is inspiring original tunes and music. This fall, we are starting um, a collaboration team uh, mm-hmm. with all the worship leaders um, and then some of the people that are on our staff who have shown interest um, j- for as far as lyrics, uh, song, um, you know, topics, and just different things that we should be writing about and making sure that what we are writing, you know, it doesn't just sound cool, but is uh, <laughs> the theology behind it is correct. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a good, good, good catch. Um, okay, so you've got the demo done. Um, that's kind of in Pro Tools. You're like, okay, we want to take this to the next step. What's the next step in the process?
3: Yeah. Um, so I would say the next step you can you can do a few different things. Um, I think the next step is kind of deciding a budget. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Um, yep. Because you can go many different ways. You could say, okay, I want to spend five grand on this song, or I want to spend $200 on this song right um, so once you kind of have a demo the obvious next step is is the goal is to begin recording the final version um, so there's a few things kind of what we did was are um, we have an engineer who kind of helped enge- uh, produce an engineer we were the sole producers me and Jason mm-hmm. um, so we kind of gave him the demo and he listened to it and he gave us ideas and feedback which is great because um, the, the whole idea of a, a demo it's kind of scary because you don't want many people to hear it, but you have to get <laughs> feedback from it. Right. Um, you know, like, we, even with more, like, we've got this this really terrible demo kicking around, and so we have an awesome version in this demo. We don't want people to hear the demo um, because it will color their opinion of the new one. Um, so uh, we got feedback, and he was like, you know, we should. and Jason uh, pointed to this earlier, you know, we kind of, he was like, he, he wanted to change the course, and we were like, okay, you know, so we have open hands. Um, so that's one of the things that, you know, you know, we're always learning, you know, especially, like, because I wrote the song, so even having someone say, I want to change the chorus, I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, like, let's, let's do it. But in my mind, I'm like, don't make it worse, you know, like. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, you know, so we kind of went over some ideas, and like Jason said, we ended up coming back to more of the, the demo version, but we did tweak stuff. Um, so the next part is to finalize your arrangement, you know, like, okay, we're going to do four bars of the intro, we're going to do half chorus, we're going to do a down chorus, um, so you really want to kind of finalize your arrangement. And then um, I think it would be picking your uh, your uh, your session players or mm-hmm. your local community church players and getting them to learn the song, like rehearse it with them, so that they can head into the studio.
1: Okay, that's that that's a good good distinction there. Um, Two things I want to tweak out there. So you know, session players versus people you know in the church, and then you know, is it best just to like, or you know, what what's your experience been? What did we do? Did we bring a bunch of people in a room? Let's you know get together a worship night and record it live, or did we do it in a studio? And why did we do either way? So, session versus you know people actually in the church, and then live versus studio, and why on both of those?
3: Yeah, totally. Well, yeah, I mean, um, I'm sure Jason could talk to this, but. Uh, speaking to this too before because um, he, uh, he had both on his last DB because Jason's recorded a lot before. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one we used a local drummer um, and it was a great experience for our community and we wanted that ownership because um, essentially all the instruments on the recording are liquid church people yep. um, though when we recorded drums we were in a really nice studio that pays by the day and it took about six to seven hours to record our, our good drum takes. Mm-hmm. Where if we had hired someone, paid him two hundred fifty dollars to come in, we would have had that done. Maybe you know setup take you know two three hours anyway. But then had the drum take in an hour. So it's like a give and take. Um, so that's a really good you know question because I think even Jason, right? You experienced this on the Rescue Me EP. Um, we had yeah. some players who took a long time, and then you know you hired a drummer, right? And he did four songs in like an hour. Yeah. Um, right. So yeah. That, like, give and take. It
2: is. I think it's a tension. It's it's kind of a both and even, you know, with some songs you can do it, some songs you can't. This song because I mean, this song's kind of an anomaly and unique in a sense where it was divinely, you know, written like in a day and then it was like so current and present to what was happening in our community. It was just and because kind of it was our first one fleshing out as liquid coming from liquid music, you know, it was just really important to us that we had um that we had liquid musicians on it. You know, that's not saying maybe the next one, depending on our time frame, would we hire a session drummer or a session guitar or something like that, just because of what we need to get it done fast. Yeah. Um, and the thing, you know, the only thing that's that's good about the give and take is like session, uh, that's what they do for a living, so they're gonna get it done fast and pretty flawlessly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, if you go with your teen of course, you, you, flow, you flow better with your team, you know, you know better. Um, so it's going to be more of the experience of it together, um, but it might take just a little while. Also, why this track was an anomaly is we, we flushed it out pretty fast where we didn't rehearse before we got into the studio. Yeah. We were all just, let's do this. This is so exciting. You bring your drums. You bring your guitar. You bring this. Uh, yeah. Which was awesome. Like Danny uh, Santana, uh, who I think might be on here. He is one of our, uh, he's one of our top drummers here at Liquid, and just killed it. Um, and he's the trooper because, like, he I think he, maybe he played it once ever before that or something. Right. Um, you yeah. know, so we di- we really rushed that process. But again, we're so close. We spent the day together. We went to dinner together. We knew that's that's the process that we wanted to go into it. You know. Mm-hmm. So it's more of, like, your time frame, the decision that you want to make, you know, ahead of time. And then I said, like, maybe once we do another one, whether we need it for a series or a certain thing, it could be a situation where we like, dude, we need a session person so that can map this out in two hours, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. So. Okay, so we've recorded that. Um, how did you pick your studio? You know, how did you make that decision?
2: Yeah, we, um, we wanted... I had done some previous stuff, and so we we just wanted to we wanted to make sure it was kind of up to par, you know, mm-hmm. and some of the equipment, the engineer that we were working with, to make sure that the gear he had was um, parallel, you know, and usable for what, what he could just bring in and hook into. Right. Um, and honestly, we were looking at another one that was in North Jersey, because I wasn't as familiar with the, the area and the studios around here. And then we saw that one, Lake House Studios in Asbury, right near Ocean Grove, and it was awesome. It was amazing. They had a <laughs> – I tweeted some pictures while we were in there, but, I mean, they had a apartment, like a bed you could sleep in. They had <laughs> Netflix, TV, bathroom, like really nice, cool, like tricked-out IKEA furniture. It was really nice. Yeah, it was, it was a good experience.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's nice, right, particularly because there are those long waiting periods, right, and eventually, you know, I would think particularly from a vocal point of view, you've got to – you know, you're going to have to step up to a mic and deliver, right? And so you, you want to be relaxed. You, can, you know, everybody has a little bit of their pregame, you yeah. know, rit- ritual, for lack of a better word. And so having a place that, that is a bit comfortable, I think, is worth it for sure. Yeah. So True.
3: You, yeah. What, no, I was just going to say, in the studio, you get nervous. It doesn't matter right. how long you've been doing it. <laughs> but. but what was neat about, you know,
2: a particular studio, so, you know, we paid, it was 800 bucks for a whole day, plus right. you get an assistant engineer you know, water, you have access to the whole building. Right. But also I'm singing into a seventeen thousand dollar mic. You know what I mean? It's like we're never gonna buy that so we can record here at liquid, you know. Right. So it's like the give and take, it's like yeah, that's kind of a cool experience.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Very cool. All right, so uh, so you've recorded it, uh, you've got it all done, and then you just email it to iTunes, right? It's like there's nothing after that, right? It's just super easy after that? Or what, what happens the next step? <laughs>
2: Why don't yeah, you go, well, Jason? Um, well, the next step for that is the engineer takes it and edits it. Uh, he edits and tunes the drums. T- Time stamps everything to make sure it's perfect, tuning the vocals a little bit. Um, if you're a bad singer, no, I'm just kidding. They tune all vocals and everything. <laughs> um, so they do all that and just put everything out to the way that the, the rough song is gonna sound, like here's your arrangement, here's everything. They edit, time it well. And then they send it back and you listen to it, and then that's when you make final decisions on arrangement and structure. You're like, hey, I feel like we did the bridge too many times. Take that out. Let's add another four bars on that intro. You know those types of things. And then once you finalize that, you send it to the to the mixer.
1: Okay. Yeah. And what and what magic happens at the mixer?
3: Yeah. Well, he just works his magic. I mean, it's one <laughs> of the, it's 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 one of the things uh, as far as mixing. Um, I'm really I don't have an ear so. He'll, uh, you know, he'll just pretty much essentially balance everything, add reverb, add effects, uh, make sure that all the instruments are are clear. Um, And then even after that, it's still not done. There's still one more process, Mm -hmm. which is
0: you send it to the master.
3: Yep, you send it to the master. And essentially that is they're just compressing it. They're they're, uh, bringing the volume up to um, everything else. Because believe it or not, when you um, export just a mix, in iTunes it's actually quieter, significantly quieter than everything else you know if you like A beat it, meaning listen to one thing, listen to your your song it would be uh, it would be lower volume so then they just bring that up and uh, add a few EQ's to polish the you know the overall sound and then you get it
1: it's all done. And then you dance and celebrate because it's Yes, you, you know. praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> now why, why did we produce just one song? You know before we get into how we released it and all that, why just one single?
3: Yeah,
2: a couple reasons. Number one, it's it's so time. You know what I mean? We wanted to release a song that was very current Mm -hmm. so that we could sing it together as a church, identify exactly what God's doing at that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So time is a big thing uh, as far as wanting to be current, a timely message in a song. And then the other one is just it's way nowadays, just with digital stuff and technology, it is way more efficient to release singles than an entire album. Right. Um, so, you know, it's just mapping that out, and so, for instance, we can do a single, you know, every four months we could do a single, mm-hmm. and then by the end of the year, you can then compulate that into, you know, a, an album, and you can release that as mm-hmm. well, so people can have all of them in one. So it's just way, you know, as far as time and, and economy, it's way more, and plus, you know, music today is way more about the one song than it is the album. Right. You know, most albums they have like the you know four great songs mm-hmm. and then like six fillers, right? And that's that's just bad economy <laughs> and bad time management. <laughs>
1: uh, it, it's amazing, right? Like I, I was, uh, I know this may be a weird reference, but um, actually, when Clinton and I were together the other night, uh, we just happened to watch this thing with Weird Al Yankovic, who just released all those songs, right? Yeah. And so he 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 was we watched this quick interview where he said it was the, his last he was fulfilling his record contract he had 14 records he's released over 32 years that he was ob- obliged to release and so this was finally the end his current album is the end of that run and he said in that interview frankly i'm just going to release singles after this you know i you yeah. know once i can get done this now particularly for him the timeliness thing is huge um, you know, you you know, you can turn around it fast. When that song's hot, you know, it comes up with some funny lyric and then, you know, can release it. Um, but I think that reflects, as an outsider to the music industry, you can see that, that that's, you know, that's what's happening, you know, there for sure. Yeah,
3: yeah absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, because an album is really only a group of singles in today's world where it right. used to be a holistic thing, you know, yeah. like a, an album. But, yeah, there really is no definite need to just produce 12 songs for the sake of it being 12 songs. You
1: know, right. yeah.
3: you know, yeah.
1: Yeah. The idea of a musical journey that really, you know, over an album has has really gone by the wayside, right? That people yeah. aren't really doing that anymore. Yeah. Um, creatively. Sure. Uh, all right. So then let's talk about the actual release. What? How did that process go? Um, so you're, you know, you've got the single done. You've, you know, you've got this snappy, MP3. Um, how have you released it? And what are you learning in that process?
3: I'll give it to Jason.
1: Sure.
2: Yeah, for sure. We um we met with our um, and again, I'll just tell you what we did. Uh, we just had the, the privilege and blessing of having uh, Rich, who is a great mind in, in uh, systems and social media and behind-the-scenes stuff, and then Kenny, who does a lot of our PR stuff. So we met and connected, and we actually mapped out. We had a, a calendar release for July, mm-hmm. uh, and so we did uh, a bunch of videos because, again, just like singles, videos, quick videos are what's really in right now with social media and getting information mm-hmm. out. So we, we mapped out for the whole month of July. Leading up, we had five videos for each day, uh, talking about, Clint did a theology of the lyrics video, talked about what the lyrics mean. Uh, we talked about how the song came about, what the inspiration was from. We did a bunch of videos in the studio, which was really neat, uh, which was awesome. And then we also did five, we did two, Instagram lyric images a a day. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Uh,
2: So we did ten of those, five videos. Uh, Then we released it. uh, on. Well, we gave it to our church. You know, we had a whole more Sunday uh, Mm -hmm. where I had the privilege to share the message and talked about uh, the opportunity that everyone, we gave it to our entire church. Uh, So an opportunity to give it away to over 3,000 people. Um, And then we released it on iTunes that very next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there we're doing uh, working on a campaign with noise trade um, which is kind of free music base and tips and just to get it out there and then uh, we're currently working on a music video as far as the next thing that we release um, and so next week we start filming for a music video uh, for the following week and then the following week after that we're working on a which is helpful for those of you that are that are tuning in today we're working on a church leaders kit Mm-hmm. Uh, where you'll get a lot of those uh, Instagram lyric things. You'll get some of the videos. You'll get the chord charts, the lyrics, the music video, uh, and the MP3, so that mm-hmm. you'll be able to to use it at your church as well.
1: Very cool. Yeah, I, it's been fun to watch it roll out. Um, you know, into the into the community, and I think it's we've tried to leverage it as like, hey, this is something to celebrate in the life of our church. Um, and summertime's been a fun time to release it. You know, it's yeah. been, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, it's a fun summer thing. You know, it's been a cool project, something to inject some energy into uh, the summertime. So I would think through your time of year, that just kind of happened by happenstance. But I think actually it's been that's been a real positive deal. Yeah. You know, there can be a time where you know things are a little slower, and it's kind of nice to inject this uh, into that. Why don't you talk about um, like CCli, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, um, Sony? Like we, you know, how do you release to all those different things? How do you let people know about all that? Um, that still seems like a bit, a bit of a you know, a black box to me. How does that all work?
2: Yeah, um, so there's so many organizations, you know, that are out there, you know, as an artist you want to belong to, you know, there's BMI or ASCAP, um, and that just gives you a number to collect royalties, basically you're associating yourself as a credential, basically artist, Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and that's how you register works, you know, so we registered that, Clint's registered with BMI, So we registered with that, and then we're in the process. CCLI has a back-end administration where if you're producing music and you're producing songs, you would would get that membership as well. And then you upload your songs to CCLI, which we're in the process of doing right now. Um, And then basically, we would have have an administrator that would help administrate that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like with the copyright license and the copyright rules, You know, once you print stuff for rehearsal, when you're playing it in your church, all that kind of stuff is royalty, you know, uh, information. So we don't have the capacity or the mind, you know, to do that. So we have an admin that would take Mm -hmm. care of all that and collect, you know, all that and help us to promote it as well in CCLI so that other churches can use it as a resource.
1: Okay. Um, What about iTunes? How do you, like, do you just email it to Apple and they put it on? How does that work?
2: Yeah, so the cool thing, this is really seamless, is... Tune, we use TuneCore, again, there's another. There's other things out there, but TuneCore is is kind of the most, it's the largest, it's the most reputable. Um, so we have a TuneCore account, and then basically what happens is you fill in your artist stuff, you know, it's just like Facebook, you know, your bio, this, that, 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 that. And then you actually upload, upload your WAV file, which is your highest, that's the file that you want. Do not upload an MP3 to TuneCore mm-hmm. or to iTunes, because that's a less quality version, and you want to give out the highest possible quality. Um, so you upload that, it takes like 72 hours, and then as you're on TuneCore, it's kind of like a PayPal thing, you just click which stores you want it to release in. There's so many stores that are free, and then some other stores if you want extra things or if you want it on the front page you have to pay money for that. Right. But you click it, so we clicked seven stores and they were just the most ones. So we're on iTunes, Spotify, Sony Unlimited, iHeartRadio, Um, Google Play, you know, the most popular ones. Mm -hmm. So you just click it and then once you hit submit in 72 hours you're going live. And then so they track all of it out here in the sphere and boom it just comes to our TuneCore account. So every month every month you know we, uh, we release that and put that back into the church so that we can continue to do more music.
1: Yeah, that's cool. That's uh, what a great tool. That's great that they've you know made that so simple. How does the um, royalty split work? Out? They're obviously all a little bit different, right? But how does how is that set up?
2: It is, but so it's uh, you get seventy percent. So okay. we get seventy, they get thirty. Right, great. Which is great because I don't have the capacity to send it to someone like in Korea or no. you know what I mean, where they do. So it's a good, it's a good one-off.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think it is. Um, I, we're not, listen, we're not, we didn't put it up, at least from my seat. You know, we have no intention um, of becoming the next Hillsong. Um, that'd be great if that happened, but, you know, we're not going to drive. Jason might want to drive a BMW based on the back of this revenue. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, that's not really our goal. Um, but what we do want to do is make it super accessible for our people. And um, we gave it away to everyone, but the fact that, you know, our people can fire up Spotify and it's right there. I got to say there's something cool about that right totally, that, yeah. the fact that our music is right beside other people's for our own people as a church leader in my little church here, you know the fact that our people can fire it up and and get it or they can you know send it to their friends and it's on the same place that they're used to getting lady Gaga or you know yeah. whoever um is uh is has some actual value to it for sure yeah um, you know that's great um now other couple we've had a couple questions come in that it might be kind of fun to uh sure. you know, to take so so Leo asks I think this is a good question maybe for you Jason how does your church transition from uh, using you know the kind of typical top 100 CCLI or you know top 10 you know CCLI songs to really start uh, you know generating your own original songs for worship and how have you built a culture of original songs. One of the things before Jason jumps in there one of the things I just have to compliment Jason particularly on his leadership is he, we really are in the middle of a transition here or really at the beginning of a transition at Liquid, um, and Jason's leading the, the forefront on that. So this isn't like a theoretical question. He's doing a great job um, helping us kind of redefine our worship culture and push us in a, in a new direction, and, I, and I'm just super excited to be at Liquid and see him lead. It's it's fantastic. So, so Jason, what are you doing on that front, particularly on the worship culture front, to kind of you know change up things?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that, you know, that I would just encourage you, you know, as far as the original songs, is just to try it. You know, just to put it out there. Um, one of the avenues you have is your worship team. So maybe if you don't throw it out on Sunday morning, you could uh, you could sing it to your band, you know, and say, Hey, is that singable? I know that can get a little nervous, but, you know, if you have a good relationship with your team, that's really cool. One of the cool things that, that we do, which could be an option for you, um, is we have monthly worship nights. Hmm. Uh, And those are the nights that we're able to sing original songs and kind of test songs. I hope that doesn't sound too carnal, but just test songs (laughs) to see, you know, we're singing them in worship to God, but to see if they stick, to see if people enjoy them. Um, It's not necessarily what we would do on Sunday morning, you know, Mm. because there's a different purpose for that for Sunday morning. Um, So it just depends on, you know, the style of your church. Maybe it is really open and Sunday morning you could give it a shot, Um, but you just got to, you know, you got to start somewhere. And mm-hmm. so don't be afraid just to just to put it out there, you know. Just start singing it at your midweek service or your Sunday service, you know. And it just, it does, it takes time because CCLI is a monopoly, you know, in a good way. I'm not saying that in a bad way. But there's so much available and people are hearing songs on the radio that sometimes it is a little bit of a shift uh, to teach them a song from scratch, you know right. what I mean, that they've never heard before. So that's a big thing. And then... Um, You know, really just communicating with your teams, you know, just the purpose. Again, we communicate that. We have a lot of things throughout the year with Liquid Music where, you know, I'm constantly challenging and encouraging our people, you know, that we're more than just musicians, but we're teachers, you know, Mm -hmm. and writing music is another vessel that we can teach people how to worship, why we're worshiping, and to have a primary source of expression you know mm-hmm. to to let god know that we're grateful for him we love him so much mm-hmm. and sometimes sometimes the best opportunity for that to happen is a song that has been written by yourself or out of your congregation rather than redoing another song you know right. sometimes it is so so just i would just take a risk you know just start singing start putting it out there see what people think of it. And then the more you do it, the more familiar it comes. And before you know it, you have a catalog of songs that were written within your church that people are singing
3: every day.
1: Yeah, yeah. very cool.
3: Yeah, I think there's a, a thing with the familiarity too, like with more, like, because um, it is scary because you're going from from songs everyone hears on the radio to something no one's heard. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it has to do with, you know, it, like introducing a new song and then repeating it. Yeah, and not not doing a new song every week you know it's like okay well i have like you know cuz as songwriters you know we probably have like 10 or 12 songs in the back burner we we have written like okay well now i'm going to do original music so i'm just going to release all my songs um, that might not work out as well you know so as with more we've been doing it essentially from the release every other to every sunday mm-hmm. um, so now i mean people it's pretty it's pretty ingrained that people know it's our song you know so there's mm-hmm. that, that awesome feeling of ownership mm-hmm. um so I think we're just we're shaping their expectations for the future in a sense.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, I think I I think there is that. Um, you know, as the guy who's not a worship leader on the call, I think there can be a, a temptation as guys who swim in music all the time. We we know the next shiny object. Like, oh man, there's this great new song from insert worship, and it might be even our song. But I, I think we we have to realize. Um, a wise person you know that I had once I heard them say you know every time that we um, you know sing sing a song or every time our people hear a song we've heard it as worship leaders seven or eight times um, you know, that we got to realize that our people don't hear this music all the time. Um, yeah. we, we listen to worship music all the time, um, but our people don't necessarily do that. And so you 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 probably have to sing the song more um, than you're comfortable with, you know, just oh, yeah. to, to get it um, out there in the, in the culture, for sure. Absolutely. Um, another question. How do you guys go about defining... Uh, the sound or the style uh, that we've go- gone for in the recording. How would you? How do you define that sound?
3: Yeah, that's a cool question, actually. Um, so, just so you guys know, because uh, I, I don't, I, I don't, I wouldn't expect you guys to have heard our song we just released, but it's got kind of a, a hard rock kind of techno edge to it. Like, there's this really cool. I don't know if you guys know that song. This is Amazing Grace um, by Phil Wickham. There's this really cool synth line. Da-na-na-na. We we'll use a similar tone, is like kind of this upfront in-your-face synth. Um, so that's kind of the route we decided to take. Um, but we took that route, I think, and I think Jason, you can speak to this too. Like um, it's kind of a sound we've been chasing. We've been chasing, you know what I mean? Because um, we've been incorporating some uh, loops and backtracks and some electronic elements within our worship Sunday morning set, which a lot of churches are doing lately. You'll see that um, pretty common these days. Um, so we were kind of like, well, that's what we're doing on Sundays, Since we're doing at the more Nights, so um, I think it makes sense, and I think the correlation is that, you know, you don't want to record something that sounds like this is amazing, if your Sunday mornings look like, you know, three guys on the, you know, doing like a Mumford and Sons kind of thing, you know, I think that it has to be true to who you are as musicians and songwriters and as your church, because like, um, as worship leaders, I think something that, a mistake that a lot of worship leaders make is that they want to be like Hillsong, they want to be like Jesus Culture, but um, honestly, your congregation gets used to you, and they grow to like you. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're going to record an original song that is you as a worship leader expressing your yourself to God and where you think your congregation is, uh, you really have to stay true to where your church is. So I think you just have to examine. You know, it's like you won't, you don't want to do a, a young and free thing if you you know you're sounding like you know kind of like a a kind of like bulky kind of thing or or vice versa. You know.
1: Cool. Any comments on that, there, Jason? Um, yeah, you know, I would just what
2: exactly what Clint said, but we're also cognizant too, like going in, because it was the first one coming out, we knew we wanted to punch you in the face with it, yeah, you know, <laughs> honestly. And so, but we're even talking about like the next one that we have in the Pike is, you know, a little bit more of a ballad, a little bit more chill, you know what I mean? So we know going into it, we want little bit more experiential music, a little bit more folk stuff, little, you know, so we're thinking about those things before we go in, we're thinking, hey, what's a good way, you know, what's a good sound mm-hmm. um, ahead of time that we think, and then we just, we go into that. Clint and I are good working together, we're very similar, you know, as far as our, our music likes and styles, so yeah. it's, it's easy for us to be like, yep, that's what we want, let's do it.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the um, you know, as the non-worship guy, I appreciated the kind of uh, the beats side of this song. I think is has got, um, I think it's pushed in a new direction. It's not like um, techno-y kind of like showy. I think it still does have a very congregational singing feeling to it, uh, but it, it's definitely not sounding like you too. Like I think, you yeah. know, there there's a, uh, I think for guys my age, men of a certain age, are. Highest goal would be if if we could just sound like the Joshua Tree album from U2, then then Jesus would come home, right? Like so much <laughs> so much worship music sounds like that, but that's the reality true. of it is that um, you know that's not the music that my kids are listening to. That's not the music that's out there in the in the ether. And so I think we do have to kind of push and stretch and try something new. Um, and the thing I like about our song, the song that you guys did, was it, it's a great combo of that. It's got some of that, you know, boots and cats to it, um, but then it still feels very much like a congregational song. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't have, you know, there was like that Andy Hunter guy a number of years ago. That oh, was yeah, like, I remember him. I remember him, right? <laughs> Who, Yeah, like it was all that stuff, but there's no way you're going to, that's not a congregational song, right? Like it's just not going to be a right. part of it. Um, and so I, I appreciate that. You know, I think it's a fun, you know, has yeah. been a fun uh, departure.
3: Yeah, I think it, yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I mean, being a part of it, like, I don't want to, like, compliment the song too much, you know? But I think that we did a good job of making it relevant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's a risk, too, like, to fall back, record a song today that sounds like it should have been released five years ago. Um, right. But right, the song right. sounds like today.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so uh, maybe one more question. If you've, got, if you've got questions, get them in now because we're at 45 minutes and we're trying not to go too far beyond the 45-minute range just because we know people have other things to do in life. Um, but uh, you know, there's a question here, maybe more of a technical question. When you guys registered on BMI, uh, did you register as a publisher or a songwriter? How, how did that work out?
2: Yeah, that, um, you register initially as a songwriter 100% if you're the only one. Uh, if you're the only writer, you do register as a songwriter, 100%. And then if you do have a publisher, uh, you would put the publisher would go in there and get the 100%. For instance, for uh, an album, an artist album that I did previously, I was the publisher and the songwriter. And so when I uploaded the works, I assumed 200%, 100 for the songwriting, 100 for the publishing. Um, but for Liquid... We're in the process now of connecting to uh, possibly make Liquid Church publishing. So they would publish all of our songs, and then the music would go, you know, that part of the royalties would go all up to the church. So we only did 100% for the songwriter for Clint this time. And then right. we're in the process of filling in, you know, the publishing company.
3: Yeah. Only 100%. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that's like total inside baseball talk there. I don't know how something can be 200%. So I, know, I know, right? To someone else, it makes sense.
2: You know? It is funny. Even when Clint was filling it out, he was like, Jason, what is 200%? <laughs> I I'm like, you going to double it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That sounds
3: good. <laughs> All
1: right, well, I appreciate that. Anything you guys want to say kind of as we wrap up? This has been fantastic. I really appreciate you giving time today um, to you know to this content. Um, what? Anything else you wanted to share?
2: Yeah, um, two things. number one is I just I love doing this kind of thing and connecting uh, you know with other churches and just brainstorming and thinking. And so we, we continually write weekly on our blog, which is music.liquidchurch.com. Uh, so hook up there. there's a, there's a follow uh, button at the bottom that you can put your email in so you get all that information. And then on that website as well is where the church leaders kit for more is gonna, is going be once we flush that out. Um, and so music.liquidchurch.com is a, it can be a cool resource. So we'll have all that information, chord charts, song, and all that kind of stuff on there, plus the blog. So it's a really cool opportunity.
1: Cool. Yeah. Well, Thanks thanks so much guys. I really appreciate this. Thanks for being on the call today and um, for folks that were on the the webinar, um, we're going to email out to you a copy of the MP3 uh, of the song so you can enjoy that, get a sense of that. Uh, If you're watching the replay of this, I'm sorry, you're not going to get it. Uh, You can go to iTunes or Amazon and pick it up there um, and make sure you join the next webinar because we're always giving away good stuff. So um, thanks so much and have a great day.